this. I always tell people, are you a farmer or not? Mm. Farmers are aware of, you know, what to plant, where to plant it, when to plant it, uh, and when to harvest. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, you want to harvest that raise now, but it's the Mm -hmm. wrong time. Mm. The season is not right. The company is not in a good position. The sun is not shining and it's raining like cats and dogs. And if you're in the middle of the storm asking for something, it's not going to happen. So save your bullets and wait until the right moment when the company's had a good financial period uh, and you've achieved some new goals, constantly be doing that through thick and thin. And that disciplined approach and loyalty really matters. Welcome, welcome to the number one podcast that teaches people how to get paid what they're worth. I'm your host and resident human behavior nerd, Amanda Lefevre. I'm super excited about today's guest, and you should be too. Kirk Kuyper is the president of WKS Krispy Kreme. Yes, I said Krispy Kreme, friends. This man is delivering extraordinary donut experiences and glazed tastiness to people all over Northern California, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Nevada, Utah, Idaho, and Wisconsin. He's a longtime successful food industry executive. And I read that Kurt loves fishing, body surfing, snow skiing, and international geopolitical and economic strategy. What? Giving back is part of his DNA, and he currently serves as a board member for Hobie. Is it Hobie, Arizona? Is that right? Is that how That's you say correct. it? Yes. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. It's a nonprofit youth leadership foundation. Kurt Kuiper, welcome to the show. I am so glad that you are here. Thank you, Amanda. I'm delighted. Thank you. Yeah, it's going to be a great show. And first, I have to ask because I love donuts and I am definitely your target market. So how do donuts and like this love of geopolitical and economic strategy like mix real quick? Can you just tell me like, how do those loves overlap? That's a great question. I don't even know how to answer that question. I think the, uh, you know, the people around the world love donuts and um, everybody's got a sweet tooth no matter where you're from. Some are less so and some are more so. But uh, it's it's been interesting how the, the simple, humble little donut that Krispy Kreme represents has allowed me to connect with people in different countries. And uh, I've always been a student of international politics. That was a part of my undergraduate studies. And so I think that um, I, I just followed my passions and I was lucky enough to find out what I didn't want to do in life. And I, I found Krispy Kreme and recognized the, the incredible simple pleasure that it was, but also what it meant to people at an emotional level. Um, and uh, it, it's been a, an extremely rewarding experience to be able to be part of it over the years. Yeah. So what is your favorite donut? You know, I, I love a hot sour cream cake donut. What? You make them only a, yeah, it's, <laughs> there's something about it. The regular glaze, I, I mean, our regular glaze, our original glaze donut is the, the hero of the show. Mm-hmm. And it, it uh, it's what has paid my salary for many, many years. But the hot sour cream, by the way, you can take it home, microwave it for seven seconds, a little vanilla ice cream. Nice. Caramel sauce. I have never heard of a hot sour cream. I didn't even know that existed. It's kind of like a buttermilk donut. But uh, ours has a unique flavor that I I don't think you get anywhere else. That sounds awesome. Okay, so enough. I'll stop talking about donuts because I love them. But uh, I do have to, (laughs) I also want to ask, like, let's talk about, of course, getting a raise in the food and beverage industry. I had read um, an article 
in restaurant today that said, we expect to reward good workers with merit raises as appropriate, but your line employee expects a sort of longevity bonus simply for putting this time in. Uh, what would you say to people looking to have this once a year conversation about their hourly rate? Sure. Well, I'd say it, it, you don't have to wait. Um, you know, I, I like to tell people that per, at the end of the day, performance trumps tenure or any regularly scheduled meetings. So if you have the ability to uh, sit down with uh, anyone in your organization to learn about how do you grow your, your worth and value slash career, do it. Don't be shy. Ask people. People love to share their advice, uh, which is one of the reasons I love your invitation to talk today because, you know, there, there have been a lot of lessons learned over the years and not anything necessarily that I had epiphanies about, but have the luxury of spending time with people that taught me. And it's just nice to be able to pass it along. I, I think organizations love doers. And the key with that is I look for a few things in people. I look for those who are hungry because I can't teach it. Um, the fire in the belly that many people talk about. Intellectually curious. Um, they are the people that like to figure out how to make things better. They, they want to understand how a business works, the language of business. And they are thoughtful. They, they're action-oriented people who really don't mind saying, hi, my name is so-and-so. I'd love to sit down with you for just a few minutes. When you have time, what's the best day? And I oftentimes will make time for those people. They'll come out of the blue. They can be an employee in a store. And it's just nice to know that someone is genuinely interested and um, they're not looking for the immediate raise. They're looking for information, which then allows them to get where they want to go. And I'm happy to help them along the way. And even if it doesn't mean they stay with our organization, I, I, I tell them all the time that candor level we establish in the relationship is critical because if I'm able to help you, ultimately you're going to turn around and say to someone else, that's a great place to work. Mm -hmm. Those people care about you as an individual, but in the meantime, while you're still with us, you then understand why you're doing what you're doing. So you can put pennies in the bank to go. So you can go achieve your dream and we'll cheer you on to victory. And I, I mean, 50% of the time, people end up staying with us because they realize that it's not necessarily greener and they can explore their ideas and their desires openly without feeling like it's a, we're, we're thinking less of them because they're a flight risk. It's not that way at all. Mm -hmm. um, so I, th I think that, you know, again, performance trumps tenure and asking for um, an opportunity to learn how to make more is, is not only sensible, it's essential. And uh, those who wait are, are really fooling themselves. They need to toot their own horn at some point. And, um, you know, it, it, I, I tell people all the time, at least in our business, for example, at a crew level, you can make donuts, you can decorate donuts, and you can sell donuts. Oftentimes people have one position, but they will wait for someone to notice them instead of saying, hey, how, how is my product looking? How, how am I doing? Mm. And uh, what, when can I learn something else so I can add value? Mm. Bing, 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 light goes off, and the manager then says, Let, let's sit down. I'll calendar you for some training in this other department. And that's how you proactively go about getting on the agenda. You gotta get on someone's agenda on their calendar. Mm -hmm. And that's how you do it. And then once you start learning skills, different skills, you're going to earn more. And once you become what I call a triple threat in our business, you learn all those departments, 
you then have punched the ticket into the entry-level training program for our management program. Mm-hmm. And it's no different. Once you go up, you learn HR skills. You learn what, you know, how to negotiate. You learn uh, uh, just business law, et cetera. And eventually you're ready to take a leap into, you know, cross-departmental or multi-unit type roles. Interesting. Okay. So typically when somebody approaches their manager, I love that tactful way of saying, when can I learn something else to add value? Is that something that people are asking you too, whenever you're sitting down with, with employees and they're hoping to kind of like move up the ladder somehow? Yep. I, I think some people come at it with a, a, uh, a bigger desire. So they'll say, how do I get your job? Mm-hmm. And I'll say, I said, it's a great question. It's multi-layered and it takes many years. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity is there. Everyone that's smart is looking for someone to take their job. I'm looking and grooming people all the time to take over the next level position and having redundancy throughout the organization. Mm-hmm. That's our, our lifeblood and our ability to sustain in case someone, God forbid, gets hit by a bus, gets sick, is out for multiple months for whatever reason. And uh, we need to be able to continue without a bump. We, that's the signal that you have a smooth running machine. And uh, that's the true salute to anybody who runs a store or a shift is that when you're gone, place operates as well or better without you So because of the, the depth of training you've done for your people. Mm-hmm. So I always tell them, look, focus on building a legacy for yourself. Build a reputation. I often tell people, think of yourself, and, and this is not news, in, in some book I read at some point, but think of yourself as a business entity. Think of yourself as a brand. And if you think of Gillette, what are they known for? What are the top three things that they're known for? Product marketing, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, great packaging and innovation over the years yeah. and how to incrementally price things. What are you known for as an individual? And if you're not sure, ask people around you. Mm-hmm. Ask the people that have worked with you and ask them to be completely candid with you, good, bad, or ugly. And when you find out, ask them, what are the top three words that you think of when you think of me mm-hmm. as a business partner? And that will help you see if you have a lack of consistency in how people perceive you. And then you have to start managing that. You have to start managing through your behaviors what and, and, and your own time. You manage your own time effectively. There's the old saying, Kobe, we talk a lot about it, which is the Hugh O'Brien Youth Foundation. And uh, it talks about leadership of self, leadership of others, and leadership in community. And it starts with yourself. If you don't have a organized uh, routine in your day to tackle the basics and put yourself in the right frame of mind, um, you can easily get deluded into thinking that because you've been somewhere long enough, you deserve more money. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had mentioned that people will come to you and say, I haven't had a raise for a while. And then you will mm-hmm. ask them, mm-hmm. when was the last raise? What are the other questions? Because yeah. I know that I personally did this whenever mm-hmm. I was working in the restaurant business. <laughs> I went to my boss and I said, it's been a really mm-hmm. long time. And so-and-so is making more money than me. And mm-hmm. I work mm-hmm. harder than she does. And mm-hmm. I know now that I probably shouldn't have approached my boss like that. But um, it was it was a learning experience. So what would you say to someone that is maybe I, I would, in the I, same boat? I, I, I don't think what you said is wrong at all. In fact, I think when people come to me and say that, it tells me that it's an opportunity to help them understand how the business works mm-hmm. and how, how they get how perceived. And part of it too is, is a big word is patience. Uh, this happens often where we see people who come in there making more than someone else. And it can be either 
that they negotiated a better deal. It could be that the market conditions were different when they struck the deal with the, with the company. Mm -hmm. uh, they may be bringing something to the table that you're not aware of, but people oftentimes will hear a salary or a, a pay rate and think, oh my gosh, why is that person making so much more money? Mm -hmm. And I think it's perfectly fine to say to your boss, look, I, I'm going to understand what happened here. How, how is, are they getting this? And I'm not, I think I have more value. Just help educate me. And most of the time I'll tell people, look, you know what? In some cases, you're right. Um, this was a miss on our part. We need to sit down with you. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. Other times it's, I tell people, look, give them a year or two. You've got to see how, and if you're not willing to be patient, and I mean, that sounds like a long time for some people. And I right. tell them, look, you struck a deal with the company and you should be happy with the rate that you struck. If you're not, you have a choice. You can either leave and try to go get more money somewhere else, or you can stay and prove that you can be patient and earn value and create a legacy for yourself that makes it, it absolutely glaringly clear that we need to pay you more because you're, you are of such value. Meanwhile, the person that was making more money than you will either have performed in a stellar way and impressed you. So you go, ah, oh, now I know why that person was brought in and paid more than me. Hmm. Or they will be gone. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you'll be like, well, the organization really realized that that person wasn't that good. Uh -huh. So it, it just, it, it takes time. But organizations that, that sometimes are slower to the table than we'd like to be. Um, but this is the value of having regular conversations mm -hmm. and understanding uh, the pulse of not only the people that you work for, but the people you work with. Mm -hmm. And um, when that when that is fluid and constant, um, it's amazing what can happen. It, it's the stifling part of all these these raise issues comes about from a lack of communication, like ninety nine percent of the problems in business. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's a so? Is it the manager and the employee lack of communication or do you think it's like a top-down type of communication no, Where I, do think, you think I think it it's, is? yeah it's a great question i think it's both ways i think obviously it has to start from the leadership the tone and the culture of the company and fostering that kind of uh, candor I, I i oftentimes tell people i look trust is a delicate thing so to the extent we can avoid having to trust one another is really important what i prefer to have is a system in place that assures that we have, we have certain things we have to abide by, whether it, our core values that guide us, our systems in the store for cash deposits, et cetera. So there's no finger pointing, but more importantly, that there's enough one-on-one -on -one discussions happening regularly that are documented so that I understand where you're coming from and vice versa. And it's clear, and there isn't a, 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 a lingering curiosity in the person's mind when they're driving home going, boy, I wonder, should I have said this? And, you know, if they're not comfortable picking up the phone and saying, you know, I forgot to ask you this question, mm -hmm. that, that's a problem. Right. And there yes. has to be a, a candor and, and, and openness that the, the, the managers or people in general who say, I got this, I got it, I got it, I don't need any help. Those are the ones I worry about because the, the, being vulnerable is a critical element of being part of a team. Because when people know you're willing to say, you know what, I don't know how to do this, or I, I need your help, and I can't do this without you, mm -hmm. boom, the world opens up. People want to help each other. I think that's a natural human tendency. You want to help. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you don't have regular communication and you just aren't fostering those kinds of, of, of business relationships, it, 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 it builds what I call these Chinese walls. I mentioned that phrase earlier to you privately, but you know, people can assume that things are happening behind the scenes that aren't even happening, mm -hmm. or they can assume too much that, well, I'm going to have my raise. They're going to notice me. My father told me at one point in time, you know, look, 
you have to punch your own ticket. Yeah. The conductor, the conductor may not come by and ask for your ticket on the train. He, he grew up in the train days. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, it's not because the conductor is not a bad person. It's just that they don't have a system. So we all have to have systems, whether you're a manager or you're an employee that, you know, I call them mental islands on the calendar. Mm-hmm. You need to put something out there on a calendar. That I'm, in two months, I'm going to go, I'm going to achieve X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to go to my boss and say, hey, not sure you know this, but I, I did do what we talked about. I followed through. I've learned these skills. And um, I, I hope you, uh, uh, you know, appreciate the fact I am doing what we talked about. I love that because I, I think in the pace we all move, oftentimes those kinds of follow-through actions get missed. But you need to be able to, in a polite way, show people that you, you, you set goals for yourself, you, you follow through on maybe just a passing conversation to have with your uh, boss or uh, someone from outside of the, the store environment who you happen to talk to, you know, uh, behind the counter, so to speak. But when people know you really do listen and do follow through, it makes a huge impact. They remember, I remember that person at that store. Well, wow, they really, they're an up and comer. And, and it's just little things like that that kind of, you drop in a pebble and eventually people remember. And if they see that over time and you're consistently fostering, managing up and sideways, um, they see you as a collaborative spirit versus someone who's just out for themselves. Mm, I could see that. I, I really like that punch your own ticket. So are you doing, yeah. do you feel like people have to do this in like a tactful way? Like you're not bragging. Or are you bragging? How are you? How are you approaching no, I, I, these conversations? I, I think it's what I, it, you know, one, one of the other things we look for is humility, mm-hmm. right? So, boastfulness is really unattractive. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think is 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 very attractive is someone who's self-assured, someone who knows that I have learned. I, I, we talk oftentimes in terms of knowledge, will, and ability. The organization's responsibility is to give you the knowledge, but ultimately, it's up to the individual to demonstrate through their own behaviors that they have the will and the ability to do a particular job. Some people burn out and they lose the will. They're very good, but they've lost it. The organization has to ask itself, what have we not done so this person's willpower is still strong? Mm -hmm. That's one question. The other side of it could be that this person has a lot of desire and a lot of passion, but they're just not suited for this role. Maybe they're not a front counter retail salesperson, but are can be very effective somewhere else. Maybe even in the organization. Maybe they would be excellent in accounting, helping out because they're very detail oriented, mm-hmm. but don't want to deal with the customers that much. And, and so if you, as you learn who you are, you have to be self-aware and be able to articulate that to, to whoever you're working for or with and say, look, you know, I'm more of this kind of person and I'm passionate about this. How can I lever that tendency and my skill set? And, and that just opens up floodgates of information because oftentimes I love for people to grow up in the field and run businesses really well. And all of a sudden they're 25 years old and they're running a two, $3 million business. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, pretty amazing, right? Yeah. So if you want to grow your skill sets and manage more through people across other units, let's talk about that. But maybe that may or may not interest you. Maybe you'd be more interested in moving to our support center and helping in some sort of an administrative support way. Uh, because some people are really, they, they want to learn marketing. They want a Monday through Friday job versus a seven day a week, 24 hour restaurant, crazy kind of world, which I love. Mm-hmm. So everybody has to know where they, what kind of life they want and um, ask, for, ask for that. You know, I, I've said this before, but I think it's, Finding out what you don't want to do is 90% of the battle. Mm-hmm. So you've got to expose yourself to different things. 
that's not to say job hopping is ideal, right? Because you can get exposed to different pursuits within an organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the best people I, I, who I see that have just that curiosity we talked about earlier are that hunger. I'll say, have you ever thought about coming to the office for a day and spend a day in um, accounts receivable? Mm. Because it may be that, A, they don't have an appreciation for how difficult that job is. And then they go, <laughs> they go there and they realize, my job is not as hard as I thought it was. You know, I like I like what I'm doing. Right, they're so, doing a lot over there. <laughs> they're doing a lot, and they and they have a lot of pressures that, and it just keeps coming. The bills keep coming in, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, I think every the more we actually cross pollinate that way, people get exposed. A, B, they start to learn what they really do and do not like to do, mm-hmm. and they also build a healthy respect for what other people do in an organization. A lot of people want to go out and be an entrepreneur and make a lot of money mm-hmm. and all this. It's the starry-eyed child kind of syndrome, right? At the end of the day, if you've ever been an entrepreneur and been out on your own like I have, you understand the value of being part of a bigger organization. You have a healthy respect for each of the roles in the organization, and you understand the value they add and how much time they can free up for you so you're not having to do the payroll or you're not having mm-hmm. to do the X, Y, and Z and deal with the workers' compensation, all these types of issues. Yeah. So. I think it's about surrounding yourself with the right people. And for anybody who's trying to manage up in their career, mm-hmm. you need to look at who they are naturally mm-hmm. and then make sure that over time they expose themselves to people who balance them. Mm-hmm. So if you're naturally a energizer bunny, mm-hmm. I call them that, they have just go, 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 rah, 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 yes. cheerleader mentality. I know someone like that. You, you have, <laughs> <laughs> I do too, just like work of fate. And... <laughs> Or they they can be the uh, what I'd call the organized taskmaster, and that doesn't mean that it's a bad in a bad way. It means that they get things done. They're rigorous. They're detail oriented. They they're a driver, mm-hmm. but they're not the person that always should be conducting the HR uh, discussions. They're, right. they're the kind of person that you need someone else who has the softer side of Sears approach to be able to navigate artfully difficult situations in a way that makes both parties feel heard. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, some people will just talk over others. They are, they may not be a great listener or an active listener. Mm-hmm. And so you have to figure out, are, who are you? Are you not a good listener? How do you get better at it? Right. And who do I need to go spend time with so I can learn how to be better? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, you'll pick up things. I think one of your other um, interviewees mentioned this idea, which is that you, you're putting little stones in a wall, even though you don't remember, you don't realize it mm-hmm. throughout your career. And you'll do things, reach out and do some fun, different things because you'll be amazed at how they end up benefiting you in the long run. From from my own experience, I remember taking an improv class in Hollywood years ago. Nice. uh, Yeah, I I graduated college and had uh, uh, three different jobs to try to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. One was selling shoes, one was doing the books for a talent agency, and the other was waiting tables down in Malibu. And um, it it just by chance happened to hear about this class. So I said, Mm -hmm. what the heck, I'm going to go try this. Best thing I did at that age, mm-hmm. in retrospect, I didn't realize it until 20 years later, but it got me comfortable it, talking to audiences and being comfortable with silence and acknowledging um, the value that someone else brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Little things that you just don't realize when you're a simple improv class. Who would have thunk? Yeah, you know? not me. That's crazy. Yeah. So did yeah. you do it for public speaking or did you do it just because it sounded like cool and fun? I, I was a mixture of both. I was trying to realize or, or get out of uh, um, being shy, if you will, mm-hmm. which was natural. I wasn't an introvert by any stretch, but by the same token, 
I, I admired people who could get up and just imp, improv, improvise and talk extemporaneously about any topic and just kind of go with it and be be um, engaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that was something that I, I I didn't think I was, and I wanted to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever gotten there, but I, I am constantly trying to learn how to connect with people. Yeah. No, I think you do a great job. If I have, oh, if thanks. I say you so too. myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one question: How does someone go yeah. from? Did you say selling shoes or working on shoes? We're selling. I'm selling shoes, shoes selling at the Broadway shoes, Fox Hills Mall. Working yeah. in a restaurant <laughs> and doing yeah. the books for a talent agency. How does someone go yeah. from those things to the president of a company? Sure. Well, again, I, I tried some things that I didn't have, uh, say, uh, the best luck with falling into the right um, situation where I had either the great mentor at my feet mm-hmm. or, or uh, upon graduation from college. And I also had a little bit of a wild hair, I think, admittedly, at that time in life. And I wanted to try a few new things. Uh-huh. But I quickly realized doing three jobs and working those crazy hours that that was not a sensible life. And so I ended up falling back on a role with Atlanta Richfield Oil Company in downtown Los Angeles and working in the interstate taxation department for legal affairs. Wow. Yeah. You figure, go figure that out. Sounds right? fancy. That, 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 it was a, I, I wanted to find a company that had a wild cat kind of mentality and the oil business does have that. And they, mm-hmm. they, but they're also a huge business and they were very diversified. And I just happened to fall into that through a friend. I, I said, look, where would you go? And they, they recommended this and, uh, it turned out to be fantastic because a the big company had a immediate street credibility you know, when I ended up talking to people, and just by fate, and this is really what set me on the path to be in the restaurant business. With I'll be as brief as I can. Um, I happened to go to a sponsored function that Arco had, and uh, it was uh, Henry Kissinger was speaking, uh-huh. and I happened to sit in this room, uh, and right next to me, an older gentleman sat down. We started. He said, "What do you do?" And I told him, "I'm working in the interstate taxation department." And I said, How are you liking it? He said, "I'm bored." I'm bored. <laughs> I, I, I like the work, but it, it's just, it's repetitive and it, it's not what I thought it was going to be. And I, he said, what would you like to do? And I said, well, I, I, I'm not sure yet, but I'm trying to turn over the stones and figure out where to go. And I, I think I would be good in marketing and in um, maybe asset management, something along those lines. And he said, well, I happen to be the head of real estate for Atlanta Richfield. And yeah, again, quirk of fate. Wow. <laughs> but we got into just kind of conversation. He said, you know, I really like it, but I can't hire you. You can't get in my department because you don't have an MBA. Mm-hmm. And he said, but if you go get one, I'd love to talk to you. And I said, well, I, I will go get one. But in the meantime, is there some, some people you might introduce me to so I get exposed to the different avenues within the real estate world? Uh-huh. Because I, I know a little bit about marketing and a little bit, you know. And so he did. He helped introduce me to people all through Los Angeles. And I was able to get meetings with people I would never have been able to get meetings with purely because it was an exploratory discussion that he had arranged. Uh-huh. And that, that was a great lesson for me is you can help introduce people. It's up to them to make their way. Uh-huh. And um, it was a great, great uh, um, example of leadership. I mean, I, I think about him often. Ben Kubler is his name. God rest him. But he, he uh, was a great man because he helped someone uh, he listened. Mm-hmm. He listened. And I've always remembered that. Uh, but through that, I ended up working for a, a brokerage company in Orange County that ended up getting acquired by a bank and then got acquired by Bank of America. And they decided to invest. But meantime, I had developed relationships with the University of California, Irvine, and ended up working for them in real estate while going and getting my MBA. Nice. And got exposed to different restaurateurs who were looking for, for, for space. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was helping them secure restaurants in Pasadena, et cetera. 
that may, is the pivotal moment when I realized I like the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing these people who are the chefs, owners, and they're wearing multiple hats. It's exciting. And um, I ended up working for Pizza Hut, doing consulting work in real estate, and eventually levering that to work with Taco Bell and then to Krispy Kreme and onward and onward. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had graduated with an MBA and decided, I'm going to learn this business from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And I took a job as an assistant manager mm-hmm. with Taco Bell. Wow. With an MBA. Yep. Just in a, in said, a store, like managing yep, people? Back down. And slinging I, I, tacos? I, it was really interesting because they said, you know, where do you want to live? I said, North Carolina. Oh. Looked at me. I was living in Irvine at the time. Uh-huh. Said, Why North Carolina? And I said, well, for me, it's going to be near the beaches. It's going to be near the mountains. I can fish. I can go horseback riding. I can do all the things I love doing. And they said, okay, sure. So they hooked me up with uh, some people in North Carolina and they, they ended up getting sold off to a franchisee. But that was also the benefit of working for the company and then seeing the franchise world. And so that's mm-hmm. where my career really diverged. And, um, you know, I had a choice either to stay with the company and hunker down and feel safe and go back to Irvine mm-hmm. or stay and go with the unknown in North Carolina with a new company that bought us out. And I decided to go with the unknown because I was happy where I was living mm-hmm. and I liked it. By hook or by crook, I ended up coming back west mm-hmm. because that's where the base of my knowledge was, which is another thing for people to realize is, you know, where you choose to go to work uh, and who you go to work for can oftentimes help determine the trajectory or the ultimate location you end up getting based in. Uh, the, the, the higher up you go, the more flexibility you probably gain in being able to take, you know, jobs in different locales. But you also have more freedom, I think, financially just to make those choices. Mm-hmm. So to the extent that you just are self-aware, you know where you want to go, um, you know the types of environments where you'd be happy mm-hmm. and you're, you are thoughtful about it. Um, you know, it's not that you, you fall forward gracefully. You have to have a plan. Mm-hmm. You have to say, look, these are the pla- these are the things I like doing. This is what I'm good at. I call it talent. Some people fight the trend or fight the current. They go, I have to learn those things that are hard for me. And I say, no, be aware of them. Yes, learn enough to be, you know, okay at it. Mm-hmm. But go with what comes easily to you. That's called talent. Because when you build on that, you'll be better than anybody else because they'll want what you know. Hmm. Just go with that. Mm-hmm. Lever your talents. Yeah. And so yeah. don't really focus like on your weaknesses and try to build those. Yep. Like yep. figure out what you're good at and what you like and where you want to be and what company you yeah. want to work for. Yeah. I mean, you may not be an accountant by trade, but for gosh sake, sake take an intro course to accounting so you understand the language of business mm-hmm. and the basic outline of a P&L. Right. Because until then, you don't have an appreciation for the pillars of the business and you can't really talk artfully to anybody who is in a senior decision-making capacity. And, that, and, and this goes to raises too. Companies have to be profitable in order to have the excess funds left over to do things like raises. Mm-hmm. So if you're focusing on when to approach bosses, you know, it, it really is being aware of the cycle in business. I always tell people, are you a farmer or not? Mm-hmm. Farmers are aware of, you know, what to plant, where to plant it, when to plant it, uh, and when to harvest. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you want to harvest that raise now, but it's the mm-hmm. wrong time. The season is not right. The company is not in a good position. The sun is not shining and it's raining like cats and dogs. And if you're in the middle of the storm asking for something, it's not going to happen. So save your bullets and wait until the right moment when the company's had a good financial period uh, and you've achieved some new goals, constantly be doing that through thick and thin. And that disciplined approach and loyalty really matters. Huh. I love that. Okay. So sowing the seeds and timing 
Mm, be a good farmer. So. That's a, yeah. that's great. That is so good. And this this is so good. And I have to start to close, unfortunately, mm. which is such a bummer because there's no so much that has been amazing. <laughs> so I do want to ask you, though, is there anything else sure. that you want to add to this conversation about how people can, you know, get a raise and and feel like they're valued in their companies? You know, I think we've covered so much. The investing in yourself, I think, is critical along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, taking, um, if somebody's interested in looking up Darren Hardy, he has a great podcast as mm-hmm. well, just about general life um, mm-hmm. and, and leadership. But oftentimes, it'll take, it takes about, you know, 5% of whatever he earns and invests in himself every year. And you think about that, it can be a lot of money. Now, for anybody, think about what 5% of your income would be. It's a lot of money, probably, mm-hmm. for anybody at any phase of life. But if you're not reinvesting in yourself, um, I don't know how you add value because you, whether you are reading books or you're going to a seminar or you are paying for lunch to sit down with a recruiter who you've never met, mm-hmm. you know, be willing to step forward and invest in yourself because, uh, again, you are your own business entity. If you're going to create a brand reputation, you have to have more value over time. Mm-hmm. So getting your network established and surrounding yourselves with some key people along the way is going to be critical as well. And that includes just the basics of, you know, knowing a good tax accountant, knowing a good attorney. These are many things that people wait to do until when they have a crisis moment and you don't have to, you, life can be a lot more organized and you can navigate things a lot more artfully if you have those people and those relationships already established when the storm hits. Uh-huh. And so I think that, um, that's probably life advice, but um, also career advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really helps. Yeah, and that brand reputation, you've mentioned that a couple times. I've never thought about that as like creating your own brand almost within mm-hmm. within your organization is, and as an employee. Do you see that mm-hmm. a lot of people will do that? Uh, we, I, I don't know how many do it. I know we we talk about it, and and much like uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, dropping pebbles. Mm-hmm. Advice is really only worth what someone's willing to take and put action into. Mm-hmm. So um, I always have learned, you know, the truisms are truisms for a reason. They they they've proven themselves over time. So those simple sayings, you know, really um, you have to listen to those. Mm-hmm. You know, the old Ben Franklin kind of stuff. It just but, but what do you do in your own life to bring those to life? That's the question. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a matter of, of dropping pennies along the way, helping others. It's a huge thing. If you're helping others along the way, ultimately you are going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you're a good developer of people, you become the lifeblood of an organization. Mm-hmm. With, if you, you create a reputation of, for yourself of being someone who's humble and, and, and smart and funny, it's one of the things I remember I love. There's some rules you asked, you know, what are the things I guess I could close with? And there's a list of some rules I just made for this discussion today. Uh-huh. So here they go. Here you yep, go. Yep, I want to hear them. So, okay, so here's some rules I've learned to live by. Okay. Um, never say yes immediately mm. <laughs> in negotiations or otherwise. Um, assume they need you more than you need them. Uh, it's a good mindset, but remain humble. Being boastful is unattractive. We talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Get things in writing. Emails work fine. Uh, for example, I was able to get a monthly car wash allowance. Just what? something small. Uh-huh. Yeah, just a small perk. But yeah. those are the kind of things you can get if you if you really want it. And you're going to be asked to be out and you know 
showing people around or taking people out for whatever reason. Right. And you want to you want to have a good appearance. Uh, and so, you said get those in writing. Like get them in writing. Did you get it, it doesn't an email have to be that said like you. Yeah, get, I just said hey. Per, get a car Oftentimes wash. you you re, recapitulate a conversation you have with someone. So if oh. you're talking to the boss about hey, as you said, you know, as we discussed. Um, looking forward to getting that, that car monthly car allowance is planned. When can it start? Uh-huh. And it just, and then you just get the, yes, it'll start on May 1st or whatever date it is. And there you go. That's and then if it doesn't happen two months later, don't worry about it. Just send that note to payroll and say, Hey, I'm not sure you really got the memo. Here it is. And cop copy the person who promised it. They won't feel badly either. They'll, they'll actually feel bad that it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I think the other thing is make the business case. Learn the language of business like we talked about. Mm-hmm. Learn how to, to put forward a return on investment case study. Well, if you're going to send me to this seminar, this is what I think you'll get out of it. Mm-hmm. I will commit to generating X amount of dollars. But being able to show people that you're thinking that way from the beginning is really important, um, especially if you're talking about even a 20-cent an hour raise. If you give mm-hmm. me that raise, I'll deliver this. People oftentimes, I'll promote someone for what I know they can do versus what I hope they can do. Ah. So I need someone to show me that they have the willingness to do the job even before they get paid for it. Mm-hmm. And when I see that, sometimes I'll give them an even bigger raise than they expect. Oh, nice. Um, I'd say know what you stand for, like we talked about being the business entity. Um, be willing to be vulnerable. We talked about that. Uh, this is another one. Is be brief. Mm-hmm. Brevity has real value in this world, especially as uh, things are going fast and furious and people are trying to get through agendas during the day. And some people just go on and on and mm-hmm. on. And, and for me, it can be a red flag because they can become the distractor in the organization is constantly peering over the cubicle and interrupting other people with stories that have maybe not even a point. Okay. <laughs> so you just have to, to be come aware talk of those people. To you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. What about, right? Yeah, let's, get, exactly. let's get to that point. Um, I, I think people who talk about themselves all the time is astounding. I, I always listen to see, are they asking about what someone else is going through or, or what are trying to tell people what they did mm-hmm. over the weekend? Mm-hmm. The people who are interested in what's going on with other people, that, that typically tells me they're externally focused, which is a really big value uh, for me. I like those kind of people. I always think Ben Zander is a great symphony conductor. He gave a great Ted talk. I think many people have watched over the mm-hmm. years, but he has this great one where he talks about rule number six. <laughs> And by the way, there are no other rules. It's just rule number six. <laughs> I've never watched that <laughs> which, one. Which, which he says is, don't take yourself so damn seriously. Ah, yes. Um, there are people that, you know, when something happens, they're the, the hair on fire people. They're running down the hallway. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And to me, that just signals you're out of control and you're letting little things get to you. And instead, I'd rather you be the person who's the center of the hurricane. And there's things whirling around you and you're going, hmm, okay. I see where that's going. That's mm-hmm. going to be fine. That's not going to hurt me. You know, yeah. you need people that can have that, that self-awareness mm-hmm. and instill confidence and calm in others versus the person who's just constantly bring, being alarmist about things. Mm-hmm. And gossiping. So, I, know, I know people. Absolutely. Yeah. There's gossiping. enough drama out there. Yeah. <laughs> there's enough drama out there. <laughs> we don't yeah. need all of that. Okay. So where can people find you, Kurt, if they want to connect sure. or, or anything like that? Yeah. Um, LinkedIn can be good, but I typically have what I call a semi-closed network. So mm-hmm. if I've actually done business with people um, or I know someone in my network who has done business with them successfully, mm-hmm. then I will admit them to the network. Um, and I found that to be very valuable for me because there are a lot of business development people. God bless them. They've got a tough job, but they're trying to get new business. Um, probably 10, 15 emails a day wanting to oh. join. And um, it, it really, a network, 
is only what it's worth. I mean, if, 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 and I understand people wanting to get access to your network that, that I get, Mm -hmm. but I want to make sure that when they get access, they're responsible about it Mm -hmm. and that they Mm -hmm. are really a master of whatever their trade happens to be. Mm -hmm. And I can feel confident recommending them. So um, as much as I'd like to say, yeah, contact me on LinkedIn, I I might not be able to do much. I think the best thing to do is email me at uh, my private email address. I'll just give it to you. It's uh, kurt.kuyper, so that's K-U-R-T dot Kuyper, K-U-Y-P-E-R at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to try to get back in touch with you. Nice. Answer any questions. You've been so good, Kurt. Like you've well, thank you. Yes, you have brought a ton of value. And I know that people are really going to be excited about this episode. I'm excited. Oh, I learned a, a ton. <laughs> I'm totally honest. And, well, and I feel like I, I need I, to take I, an I improv class now. It, it's a lot of fun. You might, it, it's, it's a form of group therapy. I think everybody should go through. Really? That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let you get back to your day and thank okay. you again right. so much. A pleasure. Yeah. Thanks. And we uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. And we'd also love it if you'd leave us a comment. A five-star comment would be fantastic. But I'm going to sign off for now. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the Raise Up podcast. Bye.